Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Travel and Tourism Podcast, my first season. My guest today and I have never met, never had the pleasure of working together, but I do see on Facebook that we have 28 mutual friends. His first season was in December 1989 in Club Med Cancun, Mexico. However, he was on a two-week vacation as a GM when something happened, and then he became an au pair GO. So we're going to find out what happened. His first position was snorkeling and picnic. Then he was moved to sailing, and then finally land sports, all in the span of a first season. And we're going to get into that and so much more today. He is from Maple Ridge, British Columbia. Boy, nothing says Canada like Maple Ridge, huh? Ladies and gentlemen, everyone, please give a warm my first season welcome to Mr. Dean Barber. Dean, how are you, sir? I am doing well, Greg. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thanks for uh, for agreeing to do this. Thanks for sharing your story with us today. And as the kids say, are you ready to light this fire? Absolutely. Before we get into the, the Club Med stuff, I'd like you to take me back a little. Now, you were you born in Canada? Yes. Yes, you were. Okay. Yeah. Now... I guess at the time, like, what were you doing just before Club Med? Were you working, going to school? I was just out of high school. I was working in a mental hospital as a healthcare worker, working with with special needs adults. And I was just looking around my world and saying, is this, is this my life? And and I, I kind of just remember the the commercials back in the day in the, in the late 1980s where they had the hands up song and the commercials. And it was like, why could, why can't I not be there. And after some soul searching, I convinced a friend of mine, a good buddy of mine to take a, take a loan out against his car, his 1972 Vega. We, we rallied uh, $2,500 each. We booked two weeks in Cancun and uh, November that year, we uh, went on our dream vacation. Okay. So wait, okay. So you're saying you saw the commercials and you thought uh, I'd like to go there and not work there at first? Yeah, absolutely. I was never even considering it as a as a job. It was just go the white sand, the the, the you know the 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 turquoise water. It was just it was just the they were such they were so catchy and they and they really spoke to me. The commercials spoke to me in those thirty seconds. Now, yeah, you sound like uh, judging from the job you said you had. That sounds like a pretty uh, ad- adult job. You're pretty young at the time, I guess, right? Yeah, I was in my in my early twenties. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, why did you decide on Cancun? There wasn't a particular reason that we chose that because at the time there was, I believe there was five club meds in 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 Mexico at the time and and places like Turks and Turks and Caicos and Martinique were kind of way on the other side of the world to me and the person who never really traveled, uh, it just seemed from reading the brochures it just seemed like the best the best fit for the activities and and so really we're, there was no real true draw to it it was just like it just felt like it was the right place to be. Were you going both for the water sports and land sports? Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, what what sports did you uh, do or play growing up? I played uh, competitive soccer. I played high school basketball and volleyball. I did track. Uh, I, I was played tennis. I did a little bit of everything. Uh, my passion was around soccer and basketball and volleyball. And so, you know, with the land sports at the club and with the basketball courts and with the beaches. And I was never a big water sports person. I didn't really water ski. I, I didn't know how to sail. I didn't windsurf. So it was an opportunity to explore that. I loved snorkeling, but I'd never really snorkeled before. Uh, so it was just an opportunity to really, to really challenge myself and, and try new things. And it was, it was the first thing I did really as an adult, it was the first real trip I'd ever taken. Okay. And I'm assuming you had a lot of fun, correct? It was, it was an amazing time. We um, flew from Vancouver to Calgary, then Calgary to, to, uh, to uh, Cancun. And we met some wonderful people on the plane that we ended up hanging out with other GMs and, and just getting down there and, and seeing the, the, the world, the environment. And, and in the first couple of days, really was just taking it in. And then that's when tragedy struck. Yes. Well, yeah, that's why I wanted to know the sports you played because I've, I've always said in, in Club Med, you know, when I was at Geo, I told I tell the guests, it's your job to try and kill yourself here. And it's my job to try and stop you. Okay. But, but since you already had such a huge sporting background, I have to ask, how did you sprain or tear the ligaments in your ankle? What, what, what were you doing? Please say it was during sports and not during um, a, a drinking game or something. <laughs> yeah. I, well, the, my first, the first day and a half there, I was playing volleyball two-on-two volleyball and I got to know Ye the the chef de village uh, quite well and we we played well together in a couple of these tournaments and then on the second day on the trip later in the afternoon um, I just went for a ball and I uh, 
and I don't know what happened. I rolled my ankle and uh, I went down quite heavily. And, and uh, next thing you know, I'm being helped to the bar to get my foot up and get ice on it. And it, sw it, it got swollen. It, it was the size of a grapefruit. It, or at least it felt like it, a large orange. And, and that subsequently ended my vacation. <laughs> uh, two questions. Now, yes. you, you were playing two on two at the time? Yes. Yeah. What did this occur right at the net or was it away from it the net? Did. It was uh, going to the net. Absolutely. I, I knew it. That's how they all happen. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. So you're, I mean, I wouldn't say your, your vacation was dashed. You just had to be, uh, so were you, you were on crutches, I guess. Yeah. And it was really interesting because you, you know, my life has always had a bunch of firsts. And this was one of these first, it's the first time I'd had an injury, a lower body injury in my, in all the sports that I played. And as I was sitting at the bar, probably two or three days later, I had ice on it, was icing it, keeping it, keeping it raised. And a gentleman, another G GM came up to me and he said, hey, do you mind if I take a look at your ankle? And I said, well, yeah, take a look at it. And uh, so he starts maneuvering it, manipulating it, and he adjusts it. And it didn't hurt, you know, that cracking, you go like a, like a chiropractor and you get that crack and that sound. Well, he did that. And he said, keep it raised and you'll be walking in four to five days and, uh, and keep it iced. And that was my first experience with chiropractics. And he wasn't kidding. He, what he, what he said he did was, was he was, he put everything back into place. So it would heal faster because the tendons had been, had been, um, and the ligaments had been pulled and strained. So that was my first experience with chiropractics and, and I was walking with a, with one crutch in my second week, but I still couldn't, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't participate in just about anything. I guess um, I'm wondering, you said, I think you mentioned to me that a lot of the, uh, you found that the geo team was actually going, I guess, above and beyond. They were really um, like, sorry that it happened to you and were uh, like taking care of you, ask, asking if you needed anything. Yeah, you know they were amazing. A lot, a lot of those geos uh, ended up becoming my my very, very good friends. I just felt like the energy of that sports team and that team in general, that geo team of '89 and '1990 um, that I was a part of, they just—it was a family. It was so tight knit, and everyone cared for everybody. And you know, Cancun at the time was a large club, and it's family, and and uh, not a, not a mini club, but it was you know families with teenagers, and and it just it just felt. Like every time I, I was turn around, there'd be a geo checking in on me. And, uh, and it was people that I, some people that I I'd only met once or only seen once and they'd come over and talk to me. And it was that type of interaction that got me more and more interested in, and, uh, in, in the opportunity or the thought process of, you know, how, what would it take for me to do this? And, uh, and just over the course of the next two weeks, like yay would check on me, Alain, uh, the, the chef, the chief of sport would check on in on me. And I just felt like it was, I was in the right place at the right time. And maybe this injury was something that was supposed to happen for me to create a new journey. And that's how I, I that's how I fondly look back on it. At what point in your vacation, did you approach the uh, chief of village with, uh, I guess the request to work there? So the day before I left, I was in a, I was, my mind was really, I was really distracted because I was internal fighting with myself. Do, did I have the, did I have what it takes to just ask the question? Did I have what it takes to be able to do this type of a job? Uh, you know, what were the unknowns? I was really tearing myself apart, trying to figure things out. And finally, I, I, I kind of looked at myself in the mirror and I said, you know what, Dean, woulda, coulda, shoulda. You never want to look back on your life and say, woulda, coulda, shoulda. And so I, I, I sucked it up. I walked right up to yay. Oh, limped up to Ye and, uh, and I, and he had been, we had been talking quite a bit over the course of the, the two weeks. And I said, yay, I, I think I can be a valuable team member here. I'd really love the opportunity. What do I need to do to be a geo? And um, he looked at me and he smiled. He put his hand on my shoulder and he said, he said, I think you'd be a great geo. And he said, come see me later today. So later that day I saw him at, uh, by the bar and he was with Alain, the, the chief of sport, and you know, walked up, limped up to them. And, and um, Alain says to me uh, that he says, yeah, he says that you, uh, you're interested in becoming a geo. And Alain was a diminutive, uh, a diminutive man, a big life, uh, uh, trying to think of the word for it. And uh, not intimidating, but he, he had just had this way about him. And so me being me, I'm, I'm yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. And he said, okay, uh, you go, you come back. It's, it's, it's called au pair. You get yourself down here, 
we'll get you a job, but you don't get paid. And I said, where do I live? He goes, well, we'll have a room here. And I said, oh, okay. Do I have a chance to like make, make money? He said, if you, if you make it, yeah. And I said, okay. So the next day I got on a plane. I got back to Vancouver. I got back to my home. I drove directly to my doctor's. I got a doctor's note for my ankle that I had to be off work for 30 days. I couldn't be on my feet. I needed my feet for my job. I went into my job. I gave him 30 days notice. I cashed in my superannuation. I got my paycheck. I got my vacation pay back because I was hurt on vacation. And I cashed everything in. I put my 1986 IROC up for sale. And within two weeks, I was on a plane back to, to Cancun. Hold up. Did you just say you had an 86 IROC? I had an 86 IROC. <laughs> okay. That's, that, that, if I'm not mistaken, that's a Camaro, right? Correct. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So just like in, from the song, right? Teenage yeah. dirt, dirt bag, right? Okay. Yeah, Drive the Rock. Okay. <laughs> All right. So you, excellent. So you never had a, uh, like a formal interview with Club Med, correct? No. Got on the plane. I got down to the, to the uh, to Cancun airport. I saw uh, at the time, I didn't know who it was, but Raf- his name was Raphael and he did all the arrivals. Um, he saw me. Uh, I got on the, 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 the bus, got to the club. I didn't know where to go, what to do. I found uh, Alan and Alan sent me the planning and they uh, put me in, in a room and they just said, he said, just come down here for the, I think it was a Thursday because the geo meeting was that night. I went to the geo meeting and that's when they told me I'd, I'd be starting the next morning snorkeling and picnic. Sorry, Dean, and, uh, Dean, one second. So um, how much time elapsed from the time you went home to you went back to Cancun? Two weeks. Two weeks. Okay. A full two weeks. Okay. Yeah. Got it. All right. So you go to the geo meeting. They tell you you're going to do snorkeling and picnic. Correct. Yeah. Had you ever... Did you go to the picnic when you were a GM? I didn't because I, I couldn't walk. <laughs> okay. Who was, who was doing the picnic? Uh, was there anyone there to show you what to do? Well, there was, there was three of us in the snorkeling shack and, and, um, and the snorkeling shack handled the, the picnic as well. So there was three of us in the shack. And when the, when the day of the picnic, two of them, two of us would go do the picnic and the other person would stay in the shack. Uh, in in the snorkeling shack and and run the get so who who taught who taught you who's the top dog that taught you how to do the picnic because picnics as you know are very uh, it takes a certain s- someone to lead a picnic so who was it there do you remember okay so yeah oh yeah um, okay. the, the, <laughs> yeah we won't we we're, we're not going to get into the weeds of the Cancun no, no, picnic no, no, no. in the eighties no, no. but I'm just curious who the who the geo was that kind of uh, showed there, you there, yeah there was two one of them was Antonio Manon and Antonio was from Mexico City and. Uh, and he just was the most outgoing, uh, the most outgoing, friendly gentleman you'd find. And then the second guy was Peter Berthium, who's from uh, Boston. And he was a big, big dude, muscles and, and, you know, had that Boston accent. So you had these two different dynamics on the picnic. And then, of course, you have me, a five, seven skinny Canadian kid. And, uh, and so we would alternate around who'd do the picnic and who'd do the snorkeling. And, and uh, yeah, we just alternated around the, uh, the calendar. Now, since you'd already been there on vacation, did you have any kind of club ed culture shock whatsoever? I think what I noted as a GM was mm-hmm. how much work the the GOs did. And for me, what excited me about it uh, as, a, as a, a potentially becoming a GO was that it was the type of work that I would thrive in. Uh, working with people, being with people, entertaining people, being on stage, playing sports. I mean, it checked off every box that I could possibly want for a, for a, you know, a career. And um, so for me, the transition was quite easy, but at the same time, you know, for everybody listening, it's, you know, geos are on, you know, 20 hours a day unless you're sleeping. And, and, and that was to me, the biggest challenge was that separation because as soon as you left, you know, your room, you were on. And, and you had to be on, there was no room for error. And in, in that, in that village, there was such a high expectation uh, and, and really accountability to other GOs. Uh, everyone held you accountable to keeping your energy up, to not being st- silly and stupid at the bar. And, and so there was a bunch of, for me, they were all, they were all older brothers. I was quite young, you know, 21, 22. I was quite young for a GO in that particular village. So, you know, I looked up to a lot of these incredible, incredible men and women who really took me under their wings and, and uh, like I said, to this day, they're all considered them all great friends. Since you arrived in December, this was when your first, I'm guessing, Christmas that you had to work uh, all day. How was that? Well, it's funny because that's obviously when when the club would get extremely busy and they had us, a bunch of us 
in GM rooms leading up to the holidays. And then they had no place to put some of us. And so the snorkeling shack in Cancun at the time had the snorkel shack on one side under this big palapa. And then it had a storage room that was probably 40 by 40. And there was nothing in it, but just some storage stuff. And so they were going to move me into one of the casitas uh, residents with another, with another geo. And they're just not that they're not that big. So if, and if, if you were in couple, then maybe it'd be different, but you know, it wasn't, it wasn't going to work. So I asked if I could get a bed, a couple of beds moved into the, to the snorkeling shack and I moved into the snorkeling shack. And what's, what's funny about that is as that happened, um, we stored all the beer and all, all the extra stuff, excess stuff from the picnic in there. I cleaned it all up. And then I went around with the help of, uh, with Peter and, and, and Joe and, and, and Antonio, and we would take different, uh, like a wind, a windsurf sail and tennis rackets and, and all these different things. We decorated the, the snorkeling shack. So it looked like a really cool place. Now, the challenge is that there's no bathroom there. And, and so at night when I would be, you know, showering before going to dinner, I would use the, the shower outside of the, uh, of the snorkeling shack that when you're driving on the, on the shuttle from, uh, from the, from the, uh, from the rooms into the village, there's a, a, just a glimpse where the lights come around the corner and you may or may not see something. So I was always very cautious to, to have my shower at night in the dark. And, and every now and then I'd hear, I'd hear some heckling from people in the cart as they, as they, as they drove by. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, okay. Well, so they move you from snorkeling to picnic. Now here's, here's my best part is you didn't know how to sail yet. They moved you to sailing. So what, what happened there, Dean? <laughs> so at, at that point, a contract came up in sailing and I know that they really thought that I was, they, they really liked me. The club liked me, the chief liked me, and I, they really wanted to give me an opportunity to, to get a contract. And there wasn't a lot available uh, at the time. So our Alan comes up to me and he says, so you're doing a good job. Do you want a contract? Want to stay? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And he says, okay, good. Do you know how to sail? I said, no. He goes, good. You start tomorrow. And the next day, <laughs> The next day I'm down there teaching people how to sail and I'd never been in a boat. <laughs> okay. Were you, were you teaching on uh, lasers or like Hobie cats? <laughs> both. Yeah. Okay. Both. Now how fast, how fast was the lesson given to you by, I guess, a sailing Joe? Was it five, 10 minutes? Like yeah, I, I sat in on a couple of them because they, okay. they, 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 they did the dry land. So you're on dry land and they're, you know, it's the same old cliches about, you know, it's called a boom because if you, you know, jive and boom and, and all these, and all these different cliches. So it was kind of a comedic, you know, two minutes of learning how to sail. And then we'd take them out in the water. And after a couple of weeks of doing that, Alan came down to check on me and he'd asked if I'd sailed yet. And at the time, Frederick was the, the, the chief of sailing. He'd been trying to get me to go on a boat. A guy named Orlando was trying to get me to go on a boat. And I just, I just never got out on a boat. So he said to me that if I didn't learn how to sail in the next two weeks, um, that I, I wouldn't have the contract anymore. And so he, uh, and then he challenged me to a race. So every morning I'd get up to, to set the boats up and I'd go out on one of the lasers and I just started working it, working it, practicing, rehearsing it. By the time I, I, I had to do the, uh, this regatta against Alan, I was doing handstands on the front of the boat uh, and sailing, sailing the boat. And I've had, I have this all on video where I'm doing all these different things, you know, flipping the boat, getting back on without getting wet, and just doing all these tricks. And, and then I sail into the, to the beach and he's standing with his arms crossed and looking at me and he goes, Mm, c'est bon. I don't want to sail against you. <laughs> <laughs> nice. and, th and that was my introduction into sailing. <laughs> okay. Now, and then you said from sailing, you went to land sports, correct? Yeah. So it was what, what happened there. Okay. Well, uh, well, what happened was they knew that was where I should be. They wanted me in land sports. They wanted me in the center of the village. They wanted me for all the, you know, the, the, the pool games and they wanted my energy to do that. So once a, a contract came available, they, they transitioned me right over to the land sports. And it was within like within a two days, I was doing water exercises, water aerobics, the, all the pool game stuff at noon. I was in pretty much all the shows except for Mexican night. It pretty much was in every show. Oh, don't, we're we're going to get to your dancing in a bit. Uh, yeah. don't, 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 don't go spoiling anything yet. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll avoid the shows for now. Cause uh, what happened to you and Watulco? Yes. I, I can't wait to, to talk about, I'm not trying to rush Cancun, but I do want to get no. to Watulco. Yeah. No um, problem. Okay. So, now, do you besides the the snorkeling story? Like, I I want to take a did any 
like anything else happen your first season? Like, did you, I don't know, classic first season geo blunders or something that wasn't funny then is funny now. I mean, did, did anything else crazy well, or interesting happen to you? Well, I, I laugh because it's been a long time, obviously, but some of the stuff we would do or attempt to do in, in, in terms of entertainment would be considered not a no-go today. One of the things, there was a guy named Mario Ferguson. He's affectionately known as Fergie. And he's a tiny French-Canadian guy. And I have no idea how it started. But we, in our, in, our, in our genius, a bunch of us decided that it'd be funny if we could do a Fergie toss. So basically pick Fergie up and throw him into the pool. Well, it started as a joke. And by the time we got to... I know three weeks into this, we had podiums that we had a, a three stacks of high podium. So you're at six, seven feet in the air. And Fergie had a, a, like a Superman outfit on like a black outfit with a mask. And we had a sign up board. We had a uh, Don Sabotka was doing the, uh, the, the MCing, And I was in the water with fins measuring how far people threw them. And there was all these different creative ways they, they, uh, and uh, of how they would do this. And the Fergie toss became this staple of Cancun once a week, they were throwing uh, Fergie. Uh, sorry, Dean, was this, was this a pool game or was this an after yeah. show thing? It was a pool game. At okay. Noon. Pool game at noon. Okay. So throw Fergie throw, and whoever threw Fergie the furthest, obviously. Okay. And Fergie was okay with this, right? Like, I, okay. he, 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 yeah, he was fine with it. He had his okay. own, like I said, he had his own little Batman outfit on and he was, he was flying through the air. Okay. Well, I've never seen that pool game before. I have, <laughs> I have, I have seen a lot, but uh, <laughs> I, I yeah. have I, I have heard of Fergie, but I didn't know that uh, there was a pool game named after him. <laughs> oh yeah, the Fergie, and we'd have these promos by the by the uh, uh, by the cafeteria uh, as you go upstairs and be at the bottom, and and it'd say Fergie toss today at noon uh, after you know people be walking up for breakfast, and people would be like, "What's a Fergie?" And I said, and I'd be like, yeah, just come to the pool at noon. I think you're going to see something very special. And, and so we had a lot of fun with that. The other stuff that I thought, like, again, stuff you look back and go, what was I doing? But for your listeners, there was the, uh, the uh, alligators in the, uh, in the, in the lagoon. Albert. Yes. And at the time there was a couple there and it was not uncommon for, for him to be in that, in the area right beside the pool. What also wasn't uncommon for us to be playing water volleyball and the ball would go, go right, end up in the lagoon and Fergie and myself would run, jump up, run, jump in the lagoon to grab the ball and then swim back and crawl out of the, crawl out of the lagoon. Again, looking back, it was ridiculous, but we, it wasn't uncommon. And, and so the, the, uh, the looking back, there's just so many things that I, you would never do today. Well, I mean, and as late as 2005, when I was doing the water ski show in Cancun, uh, we, you know, we would be waiting for the boat to pick us up in the lagoon and uh, under the pool, there was a space of concrete for the water and Albert was right there. We would be watching him. So, you know, yeah. it was, <laughs> it, it was still going on, you know, I mean, as of 2005, it was, right. Okay. Right. <laughs> but you're right. Yeah. Like you look back now and going, oh boy, did, uh, yeah. Did we really do that? <laughs> yeah. And I, I remember was one of the uh, crazy story too, was um, on you know, the, 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 the big arrivals were Thursday night, Chicago, and then Saturday was the LA and New York. And, and, and so you get most of your turnover would be those days on the, on the, uh, on the, on the Saturday mornings, what I used to do, cause I didn't do arrivals very often because I was doing, you know, actually working. And when I was doing sailing, I would put the boats out and I would I'd take my snorkel and mask and I would, I would go around the area, the, the, the training area by the scuba dock where the, the sailboats were. And I would find sunglasses. I'd find beads. I'd find all the stuff that people had lost and dropped. And I'd bring, bring them back in this one morning. I was uh, putting the boats out and I was, had my fins on, I was walking backwards to get into the water. And as I turned to dive in, I've been about three feet of water. As soon as my, my, I hit the water right in front of me was about a four and a half foot barracuda. And we're talking, we almost touched noses and, and I, we made eye contact and their little fins on the side. I, I remember like it was yesterday, his fins were just fluttering, fluttering and he started moving backwards and he moved towards me and moved backwards. I'm pushing myself gently to try to be, push myself back away from him or her. And he fluttered around, fluttered around. And then he backed up and walked, came towards me again. And at this point I'm now I'm standing up and I'm watching him. I don't want him to attack. And then I, I, I backed out of the water 
and and I don't know where he went, but that talk about um, not uh, uh, not feeling good in, in in the pit of your stomach. <laughs> well, that 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 fish is, probably has the most intimidating face. I'm not talking about a shark and a fin, but if you're talking yeah. faces, there's nothing more oh. intimidating than a barracuda and those teeth. But the funny thing is, I've seen them go after other fish, and you wouldn't. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to do anything about it anyway because it happens in a blink of an eye. And yeah. thank God you didn't have shiny uh, jewelry yeah. on you that you found because you know how they like shiny uh, silver yep. <laughs> objects. Well, and that was and that was one of the things we would tell people too. Uh, that's what when I when I was when I was um, be, being taught sailing uh, and the rules of the water. That was one of the things we constantly uh, uh, told people is that okay, ma'am, you probably don't want to put those you know, take those earrings out or or whatever it was in terms of shining as jewelry watches. Uh, earrings and uh just for that matt for that reason yeah uh, well you were at sailing uh, because i you know i taught sailing too did you have a quiz or some kind because you know how guests show up and they say you know like going back to my it's your job to kill yourself and my job yeah. to stop you so there's guests that have never been on a sailboat but tell you they've sailed for 10 years yeah. so uh, if you're ever not sure did you ever ask them like trick questions or or did you just go in the boat with them or did you if you didn't want to do that did you have any kind of like quiz you would give them to find out if they were telling the truth. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. So you just gave you just, it was the eighties. It was the eighties. You just gave them the boat, right? And, okay, I guess well, you they lied. Had to, okay. They had to sit through the 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 you know the the two minute presentation, and um, whoa, whoa, and we, whoa, a whopping two minutes. Whoa, whoa, yeah. okay, okay. Maybe maybe it was a little longer, but it, okay. it felt like oh, felt I like th- two minutes. I thought you were gonna say a little less. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, I I think I think. Um, the the nice thing about Cancun is that you didn't get the high winds. You, you, you I wasn't really worried about their safety. The water was, was shallow out there, uh, unless you know. And I don't think anybody that didn't know what they were doing was going to go out into the you know past scuba dock and and get out there and and. No, no, but I did see someone in Cancun when I was on the beach, capsized right under that dock. Yes, so oh, he, yeah, he just literally made it off the shore somehow, capsized, and then of course the mast. When, because the wind was coming from the right, with the mast yeah. right under the dock, and like uh, real, in, the, in the span of ten seconds, this happened. Yeah, <laughs> for, yeah. From an, for for an expert sailor is what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah. No, I, I I didn't I didn't. Um, the only time that we had any significant wind was when we the hurricane. I'm trying to think of the hurricane that that it, we it actually hit Florida, but we caught uh, Cancun got a little bit of the of the edge of it, and it totally ate away the the beach, the main beach there, and. Marshall from Waterski and myself, the two of us got on a laser and were flying in the wind. It was the only time we really had any decent wind. And so you had two guys and he's a bigger dude um, on a laser. And I don't know how fast we were going, but we were flying across the, uh, uh, across the, uh, from the, from the windsurfer, windsurf area back and forth uh, past Waterski dock. And, and that was the funnest time I'd ever had sailing. But uh, the, the, that was the only time that we had really any significant wind. Okay. Can we move on to Watuko? Absolutely. All right. So you go to Watuko. Uh, you arrive in December 1990. You stay uh, almost a full year, correct? Yep. And you do land sports the entire year? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Did you request this village? Like, was it part of a, like your dream sheet or they just needed well, you there? It, what happened was at the time in, in my first season, the uh, the club that had made changes were, whereas prior to that, the the geo teams would move every six months and and i i believe it was a cost saving measure they they decided to keep uh the teams in for one year and renew the renew the contracts for for six more months and stay in the same place and so yay and and most of his team stayed hence the reason i was there for a year stayed the full year and then we were supposed to break and yay had had already been traveling with a with a a a pretty decent sized group of of geos for, for, uh, all uh, to the other the other clubs and he decided to take a season off so we all got disbanded and five or six of us ended up in Waltuco uh and everyone else I don't even know where everyone else ended up and a few people ended up staying in Cancun for a third season but so when I got there I was under contract for land sports and uh so and and again very similar I mean this, the village is different but the same job now who who was the chief in Waltuco at the time Jean-Pierre Grand Okay. Yeah, he was my yeah. uh, my first chief of village ever. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I got on I got on really well with Jean. I I, I got along with everybody. I really I really um I'm really proud of that. Well, he, that he, I, well did you play soccer together? Because if I recall, he was uh, pretty good on the uh, on the pitch. We played uh, once together. Okay. <laughs> he he had these massive cows. Actually, no, they. Uh, well, I was gonna say calves, but yeah, they're more like cows. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I, yeah. 
he did a lot of running. All right, yeah, now I'm he's I'm, in good shape. I'm chomping at the bit, okay, to talk about this video. All right, so <laughs> so listeners, I asked Dean if he had any uh, fun facts about himself or interesting, and he sends me this link. And he goes, oh, by the way, I don't know if you'll find this interesting, Greg, but I was the love interest in a uh, in a Natalie Seymard uh, video. And I'm like, hold the phone. OK, so everyone in <laughs> Quebec, everyone in Quebec knows who Natalie Seymard is. She was a fa- famous uh, pop singer all, all growing up. OK, now I know nowhere, nowhere else in Canada. She might not be known or the world. But so so just picture Natalie's Natalie Seymard is a very well-known uh, French Canadian pop singer. Some for some reason, she's in Watuco and decides to shoot a, a music video for her song called um what's it called rest Rest, me yeah rest Rest me which means stay friends i guess if you Mm -hmm. translated it stay friends (laughs) now okay listeners please after you listen to this interview with dean check out the link that will be in his episode description it'll take you right to it and oh my god okay you're you're not going to believe this okay i have so many questions so let's try and do some of these rapid fire okay yeah yeah, yeah. how were how were the geos chosen to be in this uh video did that natalie seymard pick you guys or how how did that happen they had a crew come down a week prior Uh, to Natalie, uh, Natalie's arrival. And they, and they talked to Jean-Pierre and they talked to Miguel chief of sport and they kind of came to the conclusion they, they handpicked. And then they asked Jean-Pierre if, if we were available Uh, and and for, for, in my situation, they came to me the day that Natalie arrived and said, Oh, by the way, you need to put some time aside this afternoon between lunch and and whatever, because we want to, we want to talk to you about uh, this music video that is going to be, being filmed here. And I said, Oh, okay. I, whatever. And so that afternoon I showed up, it was me. It was Natalie. It was her, I want to say her manager, Jean-Pierre and, and a couple of people on her crew or staff. And we, they introduced us. There was really no chemistry. I mean, she just kind of avoided me and I had no idea who she was I, at all. So yes, because I, you're from Western Canada, right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So but- I, 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 we have this introduction, we have this meeting and then everything seems to be fine. Then they say, okay, so if moving forward, we're going to have rehearsals from dance rehearsals from, I want to say it was from nine to 11, but still cool uh, in, in the mornings and at this, this place on the, on the, on the land and just be there. And I said, okay, so we get there the fo- the following day. Then there's uh, well, I think there's 12 of us in the video. And uh, during the beginning choreography, they're, they're telling me that, okay, to, to keep coming to the middle, keep coming to the middle, because Natalie wasn't participating. She was just watching. And then they, she was she was doing the choreography. And so as the thing was getting choreographed, she would have uh, different places for me to stand. When, so what she was doing, she was, that's when she, her and I would interact. And, and so I realized after about a half an hour that I'm going to be dancing with her. I'm going to be something in this video. And as we progressed through the choreography for the first four or five days, uh, it became more and more apparent that, that I was going to be doing more than just dancing in this video. And then they pulled me aside after we nailed down the choreography, probably rehearsed for about 12 hours over the course of four or five days. And, and we, they take me into a room and they've got costumes and makeup and all these different things that uh, props and, and they start handing me clothes to go put on and then i'd walk out and then they'd walk me down okay to- okay so those clothes and some of the scenes were not your choice <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah okay yeah, so i'm referring yeah. to that very colorful shirt um and very <laughs> very short shorts he's wearing okay guy, guys I, I i'm not i'm trying i can't oversell this enough this is like when Barney Stinson found the Robin Sparkles video on how I met your mother. Okay. But then multiply this by a million. Okay. All right. So, so, so when, when does it dawn on you that you're the, the love interest of this, um, you know, pop music video, since so she's, it, since she's it, not talking it, to you, how did you find him? Well, at that point, after a few days, she started to interact with me. She started to, get, to warm up to me and, and we actually started hanging out and the, I, I knew 
there because at the time we were just practicing the choreography there was no other of the shots you'll see in the video of us walking together or whatever and when there's a, there's a scene where they have well, the camera well, and well, hold and up the, now hold, hold yeah. up I, I have another question because i yeah. like i said on the probably on the 49th time that i watched it i noticed <laughs> i i originally thought you guys were playing tic-toe tic-tac-toe in the sand you yes. look like you're drawing floor plans of a house <laughs> you're you're going to move into what are, what did you what are you drawing that's the floor plans of the oh, house we're gonna move into. Are you serious? <laughs> I, I came to this on my own. Okay, whose idea was that? Oh well, my god. They, they sat her down and they sat me down and and, yes. and they said and, and and they said, Well, what do you want to what, what the, the discussion was okay, what should we draw? And um then <laughs> someone's like, Well, don't do a heart or anything like that, because that would be that would be cheesy. What about tic-tac-toe? That yeah, been the so, logical thing to do. <laughs> well, so, so, I don't know. One of the one of the the film crew or somebody said, "Well, why don't you build a house?" And so I'm like, "Okay." okay. So I just started drawing it. I'm telling so, you this. Okay, so instead of building a sandcastle house, you, the intellectual, went, well, "I'm going to put up some floor plans first and see how I'm going to design this." Is that, oh my god, guys, you have to see this scene. Okay. <laughs> This is what two young lovers do on the beach. Okay. They, they draw up floor plans or sand plans. Okay. Um, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. Okay. Uh, another scene. Can I talk about this? The sailing scenes? Okay. Yes. So I, I assume this was an artistic choice or because of the camera angle. Now she's on the wrong side of the laser. If a gust comes by, Natalie C. Mart is going over. So <laughs> she was supposed to be next to you. So was that because they wanted you two in a two shot, I guess? Is that why that yeah. she's... Uh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, we yeah, we Corey, they we 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 what we did is we basically went back and forth, back and forth. We actually actually just filmed that twice because the first time we tried to do it, there was no wind. And so and then then they were gonna not even do it. And then the wind came up and they said, Can you race out there and let's do this? And so we did. And and we they probably I I want to say they probably filmed for 15 minutes. I think I went back and forth probably five or six times. And that's the that, that the little snippet that you, you see in the video is all they kept. Okay. And uh, you know, I'll, I'll okay, so let's describe you, know, you in the video, Dean. Now you have what's what I can say your hairstyle is like a business in front party in the back. <laughs> Would you agree with that? Uh, I was I was rocking the mullet, yeah. Yeah, and you were shirtless like Matthew McConaughey, no shirt for the main I'm talking about the main dancing part. Now, um, okay, there's a moment where near the end of the video, you guys have to freestyle, okay? Uh, I guess <laughs> any, anything goes, and is that that's what you did, right? Like you just... Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So at the time, yes, it, that that era of dancing, yes, um, this is early the, early nineties, right? Very early nineties. Yeah, the, the, the Running Man, all the stuff was coming. Yeah, and well, I just, she was busting out. Yeah, she does a pretty good Running Man, I must say. Okay. Yeah, and I just I just went with it. I'm in my own little world, and and I think that's one of the funnier parts of the video is when I start freestyling and everyone. Yes. Look like everyone Scat, just to me, uh, Scatman Joe or whatever that song is called. <laughs> you know, um, okay. Yeah. So, oh my God, this thing, I cannot, and the shorts, were they, or were they orange? I mean, I, yeah. or, or fuchsia? I don't know. Peach, maybe. Okay. I, I yes. Oh my God. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. Now, did you know, like I did a deep dive on this song. Okay. Did you know that there's another video? Like she shot another video for this yeah. song? Okay. Yeah. Well, what, what, what happened there? Uh, so they, the, this particular video was, was, um, was for a TV production called La Grand Vacance. And, okay. And uh, we, we actually shot two videos. The second one didn't have a love interest. It was we were just all ensemble, and it's a slow song with where all all the all the geos are carry are, are all dressed the same, and we're holding torches around the pool, and she's walking around. It's not really uh like the rest of, like the rest of me. So I can't remember the name of that song. I really wasn't in it. The way that they choreographed things, the way that we did the interactions, everything was the 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 thing that surprised me was how detailed and how thorough they were. And then I think what happened was they they tried to promote that video and it wasn't working. And I think the studio came back to her. She told me later that they were going to do a more of a invest more money into because they really liked the song. And that's when the second video came out. OK, now I, I think I know the answer to this question, but were you were you paid for this? No. OK, that's what I thought. OK, <laughs> but <laughs> you're on celluloid forever now. You had a great now. Was that the highlight of Watulco that season or did anything else funny, funny or interesting happen? Well, I think there's there was two interesting dynamics about that season. Is the first one was that, uh, as everyone will be aware, in those days, you know, no locks on the doors, no TVs, no phones in the rooms, and the golf ward started, and the the room that would have been the entertainment room had a TV in it, and the American Geos that came down 
our, our GMs that came down were always interested in, in wanting to know what was going on with in, in the Gulf War. And so the uh, Jean-Pierre decided to open up the room and turn the TV on and keep it on CNN and allow the GMs, the GMs access to the, to the, to the information in the news. And we also noticed at the time too, there was a drop. Waltuco had about 1200 cust- uh, uh, GMs that would come in at high season. We were getting six to 700. So there was obvious impact to the club. So that changed the energy for a lot of the geos trying to keep people motivated and not thinking about that. And so that was a uh, kind of was always the, in, in the back of everybody's mind, particularly the American GMs, uh, geos who a lot of them guys that I worked with had uh, brothers and cousins in, in the army. And, and so it was, it was just, a, it was somber. So we, it was really important for us to keep things really loose. And so the, the, the entertainer was, was very good at doing things or coming up with things that would be, I don't want to say controversial, but it could cause some challenges. And so this one day he came up with the ideas that the turtles were going to come in from the ocean and in this, this, this back bay at, at Waltuco and they, he promoted it like it was oh, something no. that, that you need to, you need to see. Oh no, and, you didn't yeah. do that thing, did you? Okay. We did that thing. Oh, yeah, okay. I, okay. Yeah. How many, how many angry guests? 300 uh, okay <laughs> there was a, there was a handful as okay we, well as just we, explain as, yeah explain briefly what i'm sure listeners know what's going to happen but yeah please explain for those who, who who might not know what you're talking about so he had these these plastic shell things that he had painted so it looked like from a distance we had black black leotard on our on our on our on our faces and our heads so it looked like a turtle's head then we had these on our back we had fins on 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 our feet and we, we swam out behind this large rock area. And then as he was making the announcement of the turtles, they, they, they'd seen him out in the water. We started floating in. And from a distance, originally, from a distance, people said, oh, my gosh, look, there's, they're actually coming in, these large tortoises. And as we got closer and closer, people realized that it wasn't tortoises. And then as we got even closer to the beach, we then started to kind of crawl on our hands and knees out of the water. Uh, and at that point, people were most people were laughing. But we heard later that there was a couple of guests that had canceled excursions and to see these great tortoises. And so needless, <laughs> needless to say, we didn't do that one again. <laughs> okay. Uh, besides, uh, besides Natalie Simal, did you uh, meet any, any other celebrities at Cancun or Watuko? Yeah. In, in, well, or sorry, in Cancun one day, uh, one night, actually, we were sitting in the, uh, in, in the bar and one of my, Friend said, "Hey, come down to the beach. Uh, we're having a little bit of a beach party, and it was down behind the nightclub. Help me out here by the snorkeling shack there." Oh, okay. Oh, I can never remember El, the name of that. Uh, El, 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 El Rancho. Oh, okay. Is what it's called at the time. And there's a there's a, a rocky area down there, and so I walked down. There's probably about 10, 15 people down there, and there's uh, two guys on a guitar and one guy uh, hitting a bongo, and they're playing songs. and And it was Jerry Garcia from The Grateful Dead and the drummer from The Grateful Dead. I can't think of his name. And, um, and I had no idea who the Grateful Dead was. I, I had no idea. So I sat there for a little while and, and my friends telling me that's who that is. And I just looked like a scruffy old guy. So I didn't really pay nothing attention to it until years later when he passed away and I realized how, who he was. So I didn't talk to him or anything, but that was quite fun. I, I played basketball with Leon Wood and Sedale three who were NBAers. I played uh, basketball with Neil Anderson and Sean Gale who were football players I played volleyball uh, with John Tesh. Uh, he used to do the entertainment tonight and Rick Schroeder, Ricky Schroeder, the, from silver spoons hung out with him in Ken, in Waltuco, the, the Savage family came down, Ben Savage and Fred Savage. And that was at the height of the wonder years. And, and we all hung out and, and uh, he got a, took a real liking to, he had been about 15 or 16 at the time. And he took a real liking to hanging out with the geos. And, and there was other uh, Al Frank, uh, Al Franken from Saturday night live fame. And, uh, was down so it, it was it was not uncommon to see somebody it wasn't really any of the big names but um there was always people down there and they always enjoyed uh they always enjoyed hanging out with the geos can i transition a little and then we'll go back to club med yeah absolutely. okay so so you i think you you um 93 you wanted to leave club med so is it true you studied at the american academy of dramatic arts in los angeles yeah i, I really got the bug i loved being on stage at club med doing the shows and and performing and I love the I love the energy I never had any formal training never really acted and when I I came back to to, to Maple Ridge I I saw an audition uh, uh, advertisement in the in the Vancouver Sun for the American Academy of Dramatic Arts I kind of was interested I read the literature on it and um, and again in those days there was no internet there was no googling and uh, I I called I signed up I went in and I I did the audition to the the ADA who was up doing the uh, auditions and 
he had to practice a monologue, uh, a solo monologue, um, or uh, sorry, a, a monologue that was serious and a monologue that was funny. And I, I picked, for some reason, I picked a, a monologue from Barefoot in the Park, um, Robert Redford lines. And I delivered the the lines and, and did the monologues. And there was this awkward silence between him and I, Lyle Wilson was his name, between him and I. And he puts his he, he puts his head in his in his, his his hands on his chin and he's rubbing his beard scruff and he goes, You've never acted before, have you? <laughs> I said, No, I haven't. <laughs> no, sir, I haven't. He goes, he starts and you can tell he's like, What is this guy doing? And and fun, then he goes, You know what? I'm gonna take a chance on you. I'm gonna take a chance on you. You're gonna you, I'm gonna accept you. I think you got something, there's something about you. And I said, Great. And then a few weeks later, I got the formal um the formal notification in, in the mail. And uh, next thing you know, I'm on a Greyhound bus to, to Pasadena. Wow. Well, isn't this whole point is to, to learn acting at the school or by, am I wrong? Like you should know what you're doing already and then get better. I mean, uh, it's a school, right? You, you pay yeah. them, make me yeah. an actor. What, what yeah, do you remember yeah. what, what comedy monologue you chose? Yeah. It was, it was from barefoot in the park and it's a, it's a scene where he's sick Wait, barefoot, he's... barefoot in the park was the comedy yeah. one. What was the dramatic yeah. one? I honestly, I don't remember. Oh, okay. it was a, it was a, it was a war, something to do with the war. I don't know where even, where even I found it. The war was the comedy. Okay, it sounds like yeah. it's got reversed here. Okay, yeah, yeah. are you a fan? Are you a fan of Barefoot in the Park? I'm a fan of Neil Simon. Okay, oh, uh, I see. Uh, okay, yeah. playwright, playwright, and, and, uh, yeah. Okay. So that was that was my one of the only few things I knew. So I I just I, I didn't know what I was again like with Club Med. I was just I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to give it a shot. I, I don't know if I have talent or not, and. And uh, I get down there and, you know, it's not just acting, it's, it's, um, it's vocal, it's singing, it's singing training, it's dance, it's movement, it's, you know, lyrical movement. It's a lot of different things. Plus it's theory as well. And, and so it was like, it was like going to school to learn dramatic arts. And that was what the, the, the certificate was, a dramatic arts degree. And um, the third year you would, it, it, it was, it was called, they called being in the company and you just basically performed the whole year uh, in front of audiences. And I didn't, I didn't get into that. It was an option. I just did the, the first couple and, and, uh, and moved on. And, and to be honest with you, I was, I realized at the end of my tenure there that I really didn't like acting. I, I wanted to do more creative things like writing or, or directing, or I just, I did, I didn't like acting. And, and then I got introduced to Shakespeare my second year and I joined the Pacific Shakespeare company and California Shakespeare company and was able to be in the ensemble in my first uh, first few shows. And I worked my way up and I did Romeo and Juliet and I played Mercutio and which is an important, uh, important character. And it was my first real lead doing something where I didn't understand what I was saying half the time, but I really enjoyed that presence. And we did it outside in, in Griffith Park in Los Angeles, which added to the ambience. And, and I just really took a liking to Shakespeare. And then I just, I transitioned again. Well, yes, I, you you find out or discover you have a head for business. You attend, uh, you take business administration at Mount San Antonio College in yeah. Walnut, California. Correct. Correct. But how do you? Uh, so how did? Why why that school? And is it near? Is it close to uh, where you were going in Pasadena? Well, yeah. There's a the side the side note to this story is that at the time I wasn't uh, working. And my significant other, she was working to supporting us. And we decided to get married so I could get my green card so that I could work. Ah, okay. So she's American. Yes. From, okay. I was curious. I was curious how you did that as a Canadian to attend yeah. uh, college because you would have been international and the uh, tuition would have been astronomical. Yeah. Oh, okay. Got it. Uh, yeah. Okay. And, and she was a former, she was a former geo as well. Really? And uh, yeah. Yeah. What we had she, met what did in, she do? She was a hostess. And we weren't, we actually weren't, uh, we were just friends at, at the club. She connected with me about a year after she, oh, she her really? and I left around the same time. Yeah. Her okay. and I left around the same time. She moved back to, to South Carolina, then moved to, to San Diego. Is it because she was, thought you only had eyes for Natalie Seymard or <laughs> how, how come, how come you, you two crazy kids didn't get together then? Okay. You know, what? I, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I honestly, I don't, I just remember her. She was only there for a short time. Okay. Um, uh, and so I, I don't know why we didn't. I, there was probably a reason, but uh, we right. ended up becoming friends after having a long distance, you know, talking over the phone. She came to Vancouver. I went to San Diego and and then we moved to Pasadena together. And 
um, her uncle, a gentleman by the name of Don Burton, and Don Burton was was a food food industry icon. He's the guy who put raisins in a box for Sunmade and lettuce in a bag for Ready Pack. Very innovative, very creative, very well known, very well respected. Had a large marketing firm uh, based out of Yorba Linda, California, and he needed help in the production side of things, basically doing photocopies. And I had zero experience in anything, so I got the job there working for him. And over the course of the first six eight months. Um, I started learning more and more about the business and he's the one who encouraged me to go to school to get the degree in business administration, to have that as a fallback. And the, uh, and as I grew in the business, I moved up to account executive. I started handling the clients. Uh, he started giving me more responsibility and uh, his, he, uh, the, the, the whole industry was changing. It was going more digital. The internet was coming into place in the, in the late nineties. And um, he started to get extremely ill. And at 27 years old, um, for me at 27 years old, I ended up taking over the company with very little management experience, but I, but I, I knew enough about the industry itself. Uh, and so I took over the company and, and with the, uh, with the help of one of his partners and at 27, I was running a multi-million dollar marketing company. Excellent, sir. Excellent. Now, if we can transition back to Club Ed, who are the employees or managers that you enjoyed working with, like your, your seasons in Club Ed? Anyone stand out to you? Anyone's name you'd like to mention? Yeah, I, I just, I love my two, the chef du village. I, yay, I just have a, a soft spot in my heart for him. He just, the way he took me under his wing uh, and just the way he treated me, uh, I just, I loved him. Uh, and and Jean-Pierre, same thing. And then the two chief sports, Miguel and, and um, Alain, just, yeah, they just were just real good people to me. Uh, that was my experience. And I, I cherish that. And the geos I worked with, uh, both sports teams were uh, amazing people. And I'm still, like I said, I'm still friends with a lot of them to this day. I still see them. We still, you know, phone call here and a phone call there. I was just in New York in March and saw Nikki, who I worked with in, Can- in Cancun for, for that year. And she f- came up from uh, Washington, D.C. to meet me and my family. And it's, it, you know, these, these are relationships that, that I cherish. And, and I, like I said, I still keep in touch. I think Facebook, Facebook's been a godsend for for me and to be able to keep in touch and and keep track of, you know, how people are doing and where they are. And, and I just, I, I can't speak highly enough about everybody. What are the three things you miss the most about club med in in any order? Yeah. So in two or uh, in 2017, I took my family to Cancun, not to club med, just to Cancun. First time uh, it was 2018, sorry. First time I'd been back in Cancun, Cancun in almost 30 years. And we stayed just up the, the strip from, from the Club Med. And I, before leaving, I emailed the, the Chef du Village and I introduced myself and, and said, I'd love to come and explore the club for the day. And they wrote back and said, absolutely, let them know, we'll let them know you're coming. So I, we, usually you'd have to pay to, to, get, to get in there and, and we got comped to go in. And I just remember coming in after 30 years, driving down the path and then going to this, driving by the snorkeling shack, which doesn't exist anymore. It's a different, a different shack altogether. You get to the main part of the village and, and the first thing I, I, I get out of the car and there's that smell and I, it's a combination of hibiscus and, and lime and, and whatever it is, but it's very obvious. And, and so I, I kind of, it just, it brought back a flood of memories of things I hadn't thought of in, in 25, 30 years. And, and it just, it got really uh, nostalgic. And as I walked through this the sound i missed the sound the sound of the ocean the sound of the of just the 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 clinking of glass like everything i was so hypersensitive to everything that was going on that it was something that when i went to turks and caicos in november to the club med uh in, sorry in october last year it was the same same exact feeling the same the same smells the same feel the the sound of the waves and and so that's one thing that i miss is it's just the vibe of the of it the second thing i miss is uh, i love being on stage i love performing i love making people laugh uh, and that the, the opportunity i had to perform in so many different shows i just i miss that stage and, and as a part of my job now i do a lot of public relations work i do a lot of public speaking and and so that ex, those experiences have allow, allowed me to kind of create a career for myself in in using my voice and, and and using my knowledge and and the third thing i miss is the energy the energy of the people that were uh, that worked there and the energy of the GMs that were down there. I remember a saying in one of the casitas that said, I'm here because I want to be here, not because I have to be here. And it was written on, on I can't remember whose geo's wall it was. And it, it, that always resonated with me because it's true. You don't have to be here. So enjoy it, make the best of it, live, live your best life. And, and so that vibe, that energy, I think we all lived by it. And that created the family that, 
I think we all, we all, I think we all miss. Yes, sir. Well, getting back to the second thing you missed, you said you missed being on stage, but however, I noticed on July 17th, 2022, you posted a video on your Facebook page where you and what looks like eight women are, are dancing as part of a dance group. Is this true? Yes. My daughter has been competitively dancing until last year. Uh, she, she was competing in the year end competition in Whistler, BC a couple of years ago, 2019. And she was performing her solo. And she said to me, dad, if, if I place first or second or third uh, in this, will you join adult hip hop? And I said, sure. I didn't think anything of it because she hadn't placed in the top 10 all year. And sure enough, she goes out, she, she wins. And I, well, I got to you, join dance. And so you had to break out those Natalie Simard uh, dance moves again. <laughs> now what's the name? Is it, is the name of the group adult hip hop? It, it, that's the, the, the genre it is. The group's called devoted. And ah, I was hoping for a funnier name. Dabbing. Okay. <laughs> devoted. Yes. Yeah, and, and, but no, it's a very good video. Like uh, how do you get to be alone with, with, uh, with a, a, a women? How does this happen? Like do no other guys uh, want to do it or what? what no, uh, no, I actually am uh, until or, this possibly. Are you, or are you the only one that lost the bet? Yeah. Yeah. The only one that lost the bet. Okay. Actually, actually there's actually 20 women. Oh um, really? Half, okay. half of our group, half of our group wasn't there that particular night that I when I posted that video. So, and it's and it's mothers and daughters. The oldest person in our group is seventy five. The youngest is twenty. Uh, so yeah, me and twenty women, and we tour, we we compete, we win all the time, and it's it's a heck of a lot of fun. And we do we try our best to entertain people. So in the first year we did it, um, I ripped my the tearaway pants off, and I have a funky underwear on and the one you just mentioned on that we did in July, I take off a shirt and I'll let people, if they want to find it, they can find it. And, uh, we'll, and post but, it. we'll post it, Dean, if yeah, that's okay with you. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> wow. This is, this is amazing, man. Okay. <laughs> will you, will you permit me uh, one last Clement question? Absolutely. So of the two seasons you did, was, was there anyone that you consider uh, magical or special or do you like both Cancun and Watuco for different reasons? <sighs> I like them for different reasons. Uh, I, I think the Cancun experience I, 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 is where I grew up. It's where I cut my teeth. It's where I, I, found my, I found myself. I had such good, strong mentors, older brothers in particular, that there that um, really took care of me and taught me the ropes. And, they were, and because they were multinational from different countries and different places and different backgrounds, I learned a lot about the world that I would never have seen in a textbook or even going on a trip. And, and, and then when I got to Waltuco, it started to become more like a job and not that it was bad or, or good, but it, the, 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 the repetition of things uh, I, I, I mentioned the, the, the war, the Gulf war, it just was a different feeling, but I, I, I never saw a cloud in the sky the whole time I was in Waltuco. Um, the people that I worked with were incredible people, fun people, and uh, so for, they're just, they're, they're, they're great in their own ways and they're, and they're both magical in their, in their own ways as well. Excellent. Now I know I've taken up a lot of your time, but before I let you go, is there anything I, I forgot to ask you, you wanted to say or something you wanted to say, or I know we covered a lot, but <laughs> I've been so kind with your time. I didn't want to let you go unless I asked no. you that question. Okay. <laughs> you, you know what? Like, like I said, yes. um, you know, throughout this, throughout the, the show today, I, I really value that time. It, it's a real core part of who I am today. And the, the learn, the lessons learned, the people met, the maturity, the growth, uh, inner growth. I, I just, I, I can't value it enough. And I, I, when I was in Turks and even when I was in, in Cancun a couple of years back and the, the club net experience being there was completely different. The geo energy was completely different. It's a different world now for obvious reasons. So, and, and so as I'm there, you know, with the, you know, with the XGO reunions and talking to the old geos and, and the, the new geos are talking to us about our experiences. It's always great to be able to mentor, to give back. And, and I'm hoping that someday we'll all be able to get together a bigger group of us in the, in the coming days, years, months, whatever that is, and to reconnect and, and keep these, keep the tradition going. It's an amazing time. Here, here. Well said. Well, Dean, uh, thank you again so much for sharing your story with us here today. Well, thank you for sharing my video. <laughs> okay. Oh, God. I, I, I wait till everyone sees this. Okay. <laughs> well, you'll thank us later, guys. Okay. <laughs> well, everyone, that was Dean Barber from Maple Ridge, British Columbia. And we'll see you all next week. Bye. Say bye, Dean. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you.